It is good to be here at Heritage Baptist Church once again. I'm honored this morning to open the Word of God to you and to bring a charge to our brother David Bain as he's installed as an elder. Our text will be from a familiar passage to most of us. It's one of the go-to texts of Scripture for such an occasion. So please turn, if you will, if you're still in 1 Timothy, we're just going to go to 2 Timothy chapter 4. New Testament book of 2 Timothy chapter 4. Since this is a familiar text, so often preached at ordinations and commissioning services and installation of elders, the likelihood of me saying something new is pretty slim. But I hope to refresh our memories to bring some things uh, to to the surface to remind us of the duties and priorities of a man of God as he executes his office as elder and pastor and uh, this is a message preached as a charge to our brother to brother David but everybody else gets to listen Uh, and we need to listen because everyone needs to know uh, what to expect uh, so that we have right expectations of our ministers Uh, and and we need to we need to be trained in that way as well second Timothy chapter four we'll read these first two verses I charge thee therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing in his kingdom, preach the word, be instant in season and out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with all longsuffering and doctrine. Great triune God of heaven, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we humbly ask your blessing today. Bless the preaching of your word to the edification of your church. We pray for a special measure of grace for our brother as he steps into the office of elder, pastor. God, we pray that you'd hide the preacher behind the cross. And we ask this in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Paul's letter to Timothy is a great place for us to come for such a message this morning to get a sense of the weight and the responsibility which rests on the shoulders of a man of God. Paul was the older, more experienced man, a seasoned pastor, theologian, and a church planter. And he's speaking here to Timothy, the younger man, who will be taking up the work that Paul had begun in Ephesus. But what makes this text even more pointed for us is the fact that this is the final canonical letter from Paul's pen before his impending death Paul had said in other letters perhaps his life was coming to an end but we'll notice in verse 6 he says I am being poured out as a drink offering the time of my departure is at hand so Paul knows that his death is coming Uh, someone put it this way it's as though Paul could hear the sharpening of the axe as he wrote Under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, Paul conveys these these most important final words to young Timothy. It's as though he takes him by the collar and says, listen, this is important. These are important things. And Paul's charge to Timothy is recorded in Holy Scripture for us to serve as a continual instruction for ministers of God until the Lord returns. 
So Brother David, the charge for you today is not really my charge. It's the charge which Paul gave to Timothy, but the charge that Scripture gives to every minister of the Gospel. When we consider the charge in its, in its basic form, in its, in its simplest form, we come to a single word. But it's not going to be a short sermon. <laughs> it's a single word. I mean, preach. That's the charge. Preach. But in Pauline fashion, Paul does not give the charge quite so simply. He takes here two verses to say preach. And, and we benefit from every word that he expresses here. As we work through this text this morning, we'll note six characteristics of the charge to a minister or six distinguishing characteristics that every minister's ministry should be patterned after. First, the charge to the minister is a supported charge. I mean, he's, he's supporting it, and, and we see this right here in verse 1. I charge thee, therefore. Now, a very important biblical principle, principle of biblical interpretation that I learned long ago is, if you see the word therefore, look and see what it's there for. So, I, I don't know if Dr. Barcellus teaches that, but that's, that's what I learned. So, we're, we're going to look and see, why, why is this therefore here? And it, and it points us back, and we certainly could see the therefore of chapter 4, verse 1 could say, look back at everything that's already been said from the beginning of this letter, and it could include all of those things. But I think we at least need to consider the things in the chapter immediately preceding. In chapter 3, Paul brings up two things which serve as a support for this charge to Timothy to preach. First, he brings up the dangerous condition of the world. And second, the example of the apostle himself. The charge to preach comes first in light of the dangerous condition of the world. And we find this in chapter 3, verses 1 through 7. We'll read these verses. This know also, that in the last days perilous or dangerous times shall come. For men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, without self-control, fierce, despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God, having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof. From such, turn away. For of this sort are they which creep into houses and lead captive silly women laden with sins, led away with diverse lusts, ever learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. And then look down in verse 13. But evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. Paul says these dangerous, these perilous times shall come. But as we read this, I think it sounds like a commentary on humanity right now, right here. What describes men and women in this day more than lovers of their own selves? Those religious counterfeits that he mentioned with a, with a form of godliness but no gospel power, 
In our day, they have surely led astray so many in mass. Unless we think the situation could improve, verse 13 assures us that this circumstance, this situation will get worse and worse. And the fact of the dangerous and awful condition of this world is the support for the charge for the minister to preach the word. We find our second support in verses 10 through 13 of chapter 3. But thou hast fully known my doctrine, manner of life, purpose, faith, long-suffering, charity, patience, persecutions, afflictions, which came unto me at Antioch, Iconium, Lystra, what persecutions I endured, but out of them all the Lord delivered me. Yea, and all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecutions. The apostle himself becomes an example to be emulated by young Timothy and to be emulated by every minister of the gospel. Consider all that is spoken here in these verses, all that comes to play in Paul's ministry. It's far more than just standing up one hour a week and teaching. He mentions first his doctrine, and of course, his doctrine is the content that he will preach, the blueprint, if you will, for building the church. But he also mentions his manner of life. Now, we just read from 1 Timothy chapter 4 that you are to pay close attention to yourself and to your doctrine. This manner of life is what is meant, I believe, there in paying close attention to yourself. Here, Paul's manner of life must amen his message. The preacher's life must coordinate, must be in harmony with the message preached. His purpose, faith, long-suffering, love, patience, the, the preacher's character comes into play. And the preacher's character must demonstrate the sanctifying work of the Holy Spirit of God as God's communicable attributes are on display through his relationships with others. Paul's example in persecution and affliction serves us well. And our confidence is strengthened when we read verse 11, that the Lord delivered him out of them all. And we trust that the Lord will deliver us too out of the persecutions and afflictions which he will bring to us. They will come because we're promised in verse 12 that all who live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. Brother David, your ministry will be more than academic. I do rejoice in the education that you have received, and I believe that you've gotten your education at the best place ministers can be trained. We thank God for IRBS. But after that academic foundation is laid, ministry is more than just a pastor in his study. It's doctrine. It's manner of life. It's character. All these must be brought into submission to Christ Jesus as you put your hand to the plow ministering to God's people. So the charge to the minister is a supported charge, supported by the awful condition of the world and supported by the example of the apostle himself. 
In the second place, the charge to the minister is Trinitarian. Your ministry must be a Trinitarian ministry. How shameful it is when we hear preachers preach messages that can be amended by a Jew or even by a Muslim. Sadly, that happens more than we would like to think. Verse 4, chapter 4, verse 1, I charge thee therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ. Christian ministry is not Jewish ministry. Judaism worships a God with no son. Christian ministry is not Sabellian or what we might call modalism. Christian ministry is distinctly Trinitarian. Paul's ministry was Trinitarian, and brother, yours and my ministry must also be Trinitarian. Paul's ministry was Trinitarian in in every facet. And brother, yours must be too. You, You must teach and preach things like the inseparable operations of the Trinity and help people to understand the attribution of actions to one single person of the Trinity. And help them to understand those things. You must teach and preach about Jesus, the God-man, without, without doing damage to the doctrine of the Trinity, without doing damage to the doctrine of the hypostatic union. Now we won't pretend that those things are easy to do, that it's easy to teach and to preach these things and to do it well. We see abundant examples in our day of sloppy preachers who are careless in their speech and thereby lead God's people into misunderstanding or into error. The charge to the minister, the charge to you this morning, is that your ministry must be Trinitarian. Thirdly, the charge to the minister is eschatological. I charge thee therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ who shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom. How often have we been asked by people in the church for practical, where the rubber meets the road counsel. And we seek for our words to be useful, for people to to know how to live their lives in Christ according to Scripture day to day. And too often we find that people's mindsets are so earthly, so temporal, so this-worldly focused that they take no thought of eternity, that there's no thought of Christ's return, that there's no thought of His coming kingdom. We can't get too caught up in this world so that we forget that all this is temporary. That everything we know in this world will be burned up. And only that which is eternal will remain. In his charge to Timothy, it seems that Paul didn't have to mention that Christ is coming to judge. I mean, it's still a good charge without this, but but Paul mentions it because it's too important to pass over. And the judgment of God is too important for us to leave out of our ministry. Timothy was reminded, and Brother David, today you are reminded that Christ is the judge, the righteous judge, that He is coming to judge. First, we remember that He will judge your work and your ministry. 
He'll judge my work and my ministry. And this gives us a soberness. This gives us a weight and a gravity to what we do. He will also judge each soul to which we minister. Christ is the judge. And even death, we are reminded in this text, even death will not allow one to escape Christ's judgment. He will judge the living and the dead. Paul's ministry included judgment. It's not popular in our day, but Paul's ministry included judgment. He calls sinners to repent. And he taught saints about their salvation. He preached judgment that was due to sinners. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. The wages of sin is death. The wrath of God is being revealed against all ungodliness and wickedness. Paul taught the judgment of God for sin. He preached the judgment which fell on our Savior on behalf of all who would believe in Him as He stood there, hung there on that cross as our substitute. He made Him who knew no sin to become sin on our behalf. Christ is our propitiation in His blood. And Paul preached that those who will not believe savingly on Jesus Christ are still under the curse and wrath of God and will be judged by Christ, the righteous judge, at His appearing. Brother David preaching on hell, preaching judgment, preaching payment for sin has fallen out of fashion long ago. But Paul's ministry did not neglect these vital doctrines and your ministry must keep these fresh. Your ministry must keep the law and the terrors of the law close in the minds of the people to show them their desperate need for a Savior. To inform them in their life and in their praise the charge to the minister is eschatological. In the fourth place, the charge to the minister is specific. And now we come to the charge itself in verse 2. It's specific in its mode and it's specific in its scope. First, the charge is specific in its mode. Preach. How many distractions, how many activities are there that we see in churches that we see offered to ministers to replace preaching? Something besides preaching. Let's just have a choir or a group of singers come and do a concert. Let's have a play or a skit. We'll have actors act out some things. Let's have dancers come and perform an interpretive choreography. Brother, when it comes to entertaining people, when it comes to appealing to the flesh, the movie house, the concert hall, the ballparks, they do a really good job. And they draw a bigger crowd. But that's not what we're after. Some will say that we should abandon this old antiquated thing of preaching in favor of something else. Let's, let's remove the sacred desk in the pulpit and let's just put up a couch. Let's have some conversation. Let's have coaching. Let's just share. But brother David, we are compelled by the Son of God, 
commanded by the Word of God and empowered by the Spirit of God. And we say with Paul in 1 Corinthians 9.16, For the necessity is laid upon me, yea, woe is unto me if I preach not the Gospel. Brother, we must preach. Nothing else carries the promise of God's blessing. For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness. But unto us who are saved, it is the power of God and it is for the salvation of everyone who believes and the Gospel is preached and offered to every person. I remember when I first entered ministry, how many people said things to me like, you know, being a pastor is much more than just preaching. And they were correct. There's much more to being a shepherd, an under-shepherd to the sheep. But preaching is the single thing which marks this office as unique from anything else. We are counselors at times, researchers, teachers, advisors, friends, but preeminently. In the first place, the first order, we are preachers. Brother David, the charge to you is specific in its mode, preach. It's specific in its mode and it's specific in its scope. Preach the Word. Preach the Word. Now, this is broader than some would would mean when they say preach the Gospel. Now, perhaps when some people say preach the Gospel, they mean by that preach the Word. But the command here to preach the Word is not just to preach from the Gospels, from the four Gospels. It's not just to preach the New Testament. The charge to preach the Word is a whole council charge. Brother, don't stop preaching the law of God. Preach it and apply it for the purposes that God intends. For the law is good for that which it is intended. Never has the law been intended as a way unto life. But for every believer in Jesus Christ, It is the way of life in Jesus Christ. The law shows us the nature of God. The law shows us the lost condition of men. The law condemns unbelieving sinners. And it shows the saint how to live in a way that pleases our Heavenly Father. Preach. Preach the whole counsel. Preach the Old Testament, but preach the Old Testament as a New Testament Gospel preacher. Interpret the old writings in light of the new in following our Lord's example and the example of the apostles. Preach the New Testament with power and authority that comes from God Himself. Don't fall into the trap of those false teachers who have a form of godliness but deny the power thereof. Preaching the whole counsel of Scripture in a systematic, expositional format will keep you disciplined, brother. It will keep you from hobby horses, from pet topics. It will keep you from pet topics because as you go to your favorite things, you will be neglecting other things. So we preach the whole counsel. And it is tempting sometimes to avoid less popular texts or, goodness, some more difficult texts. (laughs) This charge is specific in its mode. And it is specific in its scope. Preach. And preach the Word. 
Fifthly, the charge to the minister is constant. You could say perennial. The text tells us be instant in season and out of season. Preaching the word is a never-ending task. I was told once, and I believe it to be true, that every preacher is wrestling with three sermons at all times. The sermon you just preached, the sermon you're about to preach, and the one that comes after that. We're we're constantly wrestling with this, and it's a never-ending task. The moment one sermon is finished, you must begin to prepare for the next. There's a ceaselessness to this job, and there is tenacity that is needed Brother, I'm glad to see some tenacity in you when it comes to preaching the Word. There is tenacity needed. Some would say that preaching is now permanently out of season. But I think think there are sometimes when preaching is in season because there are a few friendly faces, a few disciples who will be eager to hear the Word preached who will listen intently and be an encouragement to you as you serve Christ by preaching the word to the church. As I look at this congregation, I see some of those friendly faces. Brother, cherish those beloved saints. They are a blessing in ministry and they add to the joy of preaching in season. But there are others who will oppose Some will not oppose you personally. They will oppose Christ and His Word, but it will feel personal. And others will attack you personally. Brother, we we are not to enter into ministry because people are so loving or because people are so lovable. We're in ministry because Christ loved us first. And we love Him in response to His love for us. And we love those whom He came and died to save. When preaching the great truths of Reformed Baptist doctrine is in vogue, preach. And when it seems that all people want are ear ticklers and personalities, you continue to preach the same truth, with the same fervor. In season and out of season. Brother, that's all the seasons. In season and out of season. As long as there is breath in your lungs, as long as your mind is capable of putting a sermon together, as long as your body is strong enough to stand at the sacred desk, preach the Word. And in the last place, the charge to the minister. It's difficult and often unpopular. We have here these instructions, reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long-suffering and doctrine. Those, those things are not popular. People don't say, we want a pastor to come and reprove and rebuke. But that's the job. That's what we are to do. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long-suffering, with patience and doctrine. Timothy was commanded to set things in order. He had to stop the mouths of false teachers who had probably been there longer than him, who were probably older and had more gray hair than him. He had to patiently lead and correct where there was error and teach. Brother, you will continue 
to encounter people who take the Bible to be relative truth. I've run into that in my ministry. Preacher, that's what the Bible says to you. That's not what it says to me. That's what it means to you. That's not what it means to me. Some folks will have a Dalmatian theory of inspiration. You know, the Bible's inspired in spots. But you, you must preach. Most will endure preaching as long as it does not conflict with or contradict their lives. But brother, when preaching is unpopular, when the message is unwanted, you can never measure the success or failure of your ministry by taking the pulse of the crowd. Crowds are consistently inconsistent. When Oliver Cromwell came to power in England, he was met with cheering crowds. And he's quoted as saying, Do not trust the cheering. Those very persons would shout as much if I were going to be hanged. Brother, this was proved out in the life of our Lord. As he entered Jerusalem to the shouts of crowds, Hosanna to the Son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Those things that were said. (laughs) What wonderful praise. And then only days later, those same voices shouted, crucify him and give us Barabbas. You can never trust the crowd. The success or failure of your ministry will be measured by your faithfulness to the charge which you hear today. Preach the word. In closing, I'd like to read from 1 Corinthians 1 these words from the Apostle Paul. For the preaching of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. But to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and the cleverness of the clever I will set aside. Where is the wise man? Where is the scribe? Where is the debater of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since in the wisdom of God... The world through its wisdom did not come to know God. God was well pleased through the foolishness of the message preached to save those who believe. I'm reminded that He has not chosen many wise. He has not chosen many great. He chooses the weak. And brother, that's us, the weak. Doing a task that, that the world knows to be foolishness. But through the foolishness of the message preached, through the foolishness of preaching the word, God is saving his people. Brother, the charge to you, preach the word.